please give us a follow on Spotify. It really helps out and you will get a notification every time we release a new episode on Monday. Welcome to the Ignition Podcast. Today's guest is Jamie Leach. Jamie is at the top of his game as a race engineer. Before going into this, I thought being a racing driver was the most rewarding role in a race team. But after this interview, I applaud the effort race engineers and pit crew put into every last second. Performing to the top of their abilities to make sure, as a team, they succeed. Get ready to listen to a car enthusiast living his dream and being able to visit all the best tracks all over the world. From Spa to Bathurst, he has seen them all. I'm privileged to be able to speak to such a complex, disciplined and engaging man. I've learned a lot about what it takes to perform at the top and I hope you take from this as much as I did. So, if you've ever asked yourself, I wonder what it's like to be so close and work on a GT car. Well, this man has your answer. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. How are we? Hi, I'm, uh, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, yourself? I'm very good, thank you. A question I'd like to start with is what ignited your passion for cars and racing and all that sort of stuff? So my passion for, for cars and, and racing sort of started when I was very young. My father is in the car industry and as a, as a kid we used to go to the, the motor show both in London and in Birmingham, you know, regularly alternating years. Um, so that's kind of where my passion for cars came. For racing, it, it's sort of a, a passion that grew myself, mostly from watching F1, but then sort of seeing the excitement that was there and, you know, exploring that field and seeing what what more I could do with cars. You know, it wasn't just the, the road that I was, road cars that I was interested in. It, it became, how can I get more, more horsepower out of this and how can I make this faster? And, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what racing is about, isn't it? Yeah, squeezing every inch of performance out of the vehicle. That's that's pretty much yeah, exactly, the, uh, yeah. the main goal. So what what got you into pit crews and race engineering? What, what drew you down that path? So pit crews is, is kind of a part of the job. Um, you know, as a, as a mechanic, you you have to be, be able to do, you know, anything that's asked of you. Um, but for me, it's the adrenaline. You know, we, the pressure that we, we're sort of put under in those, well, depending on what championship you do, you know, 10 seconds, five seconds. Um, and being able to play that part, you know, have that impact on, on the race. Admittedly, it's not always a great impact that you make. You know, you can uh, you can mess things up and you know set yourselves back a little bit, but you know it's not just it's not just in the garage that you're playing a part. Then it's your you know you're you're playing a part in the the race itself. So it's it's quite an exciting you know, few moments. So you like to get involved with the car and sort of like if you're engineering, you're you're um, being a mechanic on the car itself. It's probably nice to get involved with the, ra- the racing side of things as well. I mean. Most people might think it's the, sort of the, the fun is when we're normally driving. But what's the fun part for you? The variety, to be quite honest. I know that sounds quite quite strange to say, but you know, I, I get to I get to travel to some beautiful places. Um, you know, I, I travel with with great people. We're we're a family as we as we travel around the world, and you know, go and hear horsepower pounding around the track, and you know, get involved in in quite a niche. You know, a niche job. There's not, there's not many, uh, many people that can or are able to to get to to be able to do this sort of thing. So it's you know, it's quite nice knowing that as well. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like quite the privilege to to be able to experience all these things. So, taking away from the glamour side of things, what's the biggest challenge you've had so far in your career and as as a mechanic? Oh, that's a good question. My biggest challenge 
it's probably 24 hour racing that's you know no matter no matter what what 24 hour race you do whether it's Le Mans whether it's Spa 24 hour Nürburgring 24 hour Dubai you know staying awake for it's not just the 24 hours that you're awake for it's the it's you know it's close on 40 hours really because you, know, you have a, a number of hours before the race the preparation the and all of that and then once the race is finished you you pack everything down and put it in a truck so you know it's you have to it's not just an endurance race on track it's a, an endurance race of uh, mind and body really yeah, and what what keeps you going through the hard times? What is what is it for you personally that keeps you going, keeps you motivated, keeps you on on point during those races? Well, seeing the end <laughs> <laughs> is watching the clock tick down. No, no, no. It's uh, you know, like I said, said before, it's it's being able to play that that part in the race. You know, it's it's the cars are going around for twenty four hours. You know, and we have to be there at one hundred percent at every single stop. You know, every stop has to be perfect. Our job has to be done correctly, and uh, and yeah, you know, it's it's that it's that motivation to be able to to keep doing that time in and time out. It's yeah, it's I say it's quite a quite a challenge mentally and uh, and physically. And what prepares you for that? Nothing. Nothing can prepare you for that. It's, it's really. Um, each race is different. It throws its own own challenges at you, um, and you sort of you have to be adaptable and and to be able to to overcome these challenges as they as they arise. You know, you have to really be able to um, think on your feet and you know excel at these things. Because that's the that's really your only option. If you don't, you you know you could set set the driver back. You could set the well the team back, and you know really compromise. The, the time and effort and energy that so many other people have have put into it as well as you as well as yourself. And where, where do you think this? I mean, you're talking a lot of stuff. It sounds very like, very professional, very determined to do the job properly. Where do you think this comes from? What what drives that? I'd say it's probably been a little bit of a perfectionist. Um, a lot of people in that work in motorsport have you know tendencies to sort of little little bit OCD tendencies you know things have to be correct you have to be exact there's a, a process a method and you know a, a way of doing it and um, many people have their own ways of doing things you know there's to get to the same goal but we all we all have that that step-by-step process whichever way it comes about yeah I'm guessing that works great in a professional setting but when it comes to your personal life Jamie how does how does that affected that well, in a in a personal life, working in motorsport is is quite difficult. Um, you don't really get much of a personal life, to be quite honest. Um, you spend a lot of time on the road, a lot of time at tracks, and missing big social events. But um, it does mean my flat is very clean because I like things exactly where it is. Um, you know, and my car is always very clean. It's always you know, everything is very much uh, folded neatly, and so you you sort of pick up these things from the track and. You know of the the ways that you've done your job to, and then you you find yourself you know ordering your toothpaste and your shower gel along the shelf and you know and just little things like that. It's quite a when you sit back and look at it, it's quite a uh, quite surreal, if you like. Yeah, it sounds very sort of regimented and sort of American when I say army like. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Is is that something that's drilled into you early on, or is it something you kind of have to pick up? Um. I think it's just something you pick up. 
you know, people come from different backgrounds and, and different lifestyles. But um, for me, it was something that I, I, I picked up, you know, I went through um, Toyota's Academy and moved into motorsport after doing an engineering degree after that. And it was only working with the people in motorsport that I really sort of realized that, you know, if, if you can put a process to these things, then the the chances of failure is, is, is a lot less, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of method to to success. Yeah, and so taking this forward and looking to the future. So, you just for the people listening, what what races have you championships have you done so far, and what have you achieved? So recently, so that currently, we'll start with my current my current championships. I do um, world endurance and European Le Mans, um, both with TF Sport. Previously, I have done uh, DTM with the class one cars um, before they, before they moved to GT3. Um, that was with Audi and WRT. Um, I was still, I, I worked for WRT for, for the best part of four years. Um, so I was a part of their GT program before I moved into their DTM team. So that enabled me to do things like Blanc Pan. Um, so the Spa 24 hour race, um, Bathurst 12 hours, which we went out and won first time out, which was, Absolutely well phenomenal race. That's that's one of my career highlights. Um, like a moment that I think back to quite a lot. But then even you know moving back, you go to a British GT. It's a, a bread and butter championship of the uh, of the British racing world. It's a, you know, it's a place where a lot of people aim to be. It's a it's a great championship. Um, but my first my first. Uh, championship that I started in was actually Lotus Cup UK um, so we went out and we raced uh, Lotus Exige V8 nice um, so yeah that was yeah, that's sort of the uh, the things that we've done yeah and so advice to sort of younger um, wannabe sort of mechanics that, that maybe are looking for a way to get started what would you what would you um, recommend what would you say to them that you um, you go out Get your face seen at racetracks. Offer assistance where it can be. You know, um, I I managed to get into motorsport by doing a work experience or you know just experience for free. Um, don't be afraid to pick up a brush or to clean wheels or you know just do anything that's asked of you. Really, that's once people can see that enthusiasm, that motivation that you have, then the more willing to to bring you on board. Um, so yeah, you know that's that's kind of it's a it's a passion working in motorsport. You know, I say to people, this is, it's, it's not a job. It's a, it's a hobby that I'm fortunate enough to get paid for. And that's, that's really what it is. You know, if, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then it, you know, people can see this straight away. So it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Just to keep going. Never yeah, give up. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice in general. Just, just never give up. It sounds like, Motorsport for you is, is is more than a hobby. It's like a lifestyle. Yeah, it, well, it, it has to be. It has, it has to be. So, where do you see your? I mean, your life going in the future? Where Where are your dreams, your aspirations? Where, where, where would you like to be in five, ten years? This is a question people ask me quite a lot, and I'm never quite sure how to answer it, to be honest, because I I see it going in in a variety of ways. You know, I've I've career goals. Um, winning Le Mans 24 Hour is is one of those. Um, so being a, being a part of TF Sport, who have previously won them on, um, 
and currently we're looking in a, a good place to hopefully win it again this year. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to move into um, now the hypercars are coming out, the LMDH programs. I'd like to sort of move into into something like this, into a into a, a factory squad, really. Um, because I'm currently I'm freelance, so I, I tend to float around a little bit and sort of work with uh, whoever whoever wants to pay me, <laughs> really. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's that'd be that'd be nice. Um, people ask me if I want to be an F1. Um, still unsure of that, really. Still unsure of the if I'd like to do F1. It's 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 one thing uh, working in the in the endurance racing world, but F1 is a is a whole new another kettle of fish. You know, you're doing 23 race weekends a year, and you know, absolutely flat out all the time. Um, which is probably like the the little little silver lining to being freelancers when you sort of think, oh, I'd quite like a day of resting, and you know, you have have the ability to do that. Um, not that anyone does, you know, we, <laughs> we, we all just, we just work as much as we can because it's like I say, it's, it's not a, it's not a job for us. It's a hobby. It's a, it's a passion. And we, we love being with race cars. We love being at the track and we, we absolutely love what we do. Yeah. So you're speaking of never, never getting a rest and getting a break and keeping on with the, with the passion you have. What is that like with your, like I said, relationship and I said you've got, Friends and basically family within within the motorsport world, but in sort of terms of like romantic relationships and stuff like that, how does that work for you? Well, I'm actually fortunate enough that my girlfriend also works in motorsport. She understands the the commitments needed. Previous relationships have also understood as well. Some have well, and some haven't. Some have sort of said, you know, why why are you never here? I never see you. I can't be in this relationship. You know, it's. Yeah, and it's it's sort of one of the the things that you have to accept if you know if, if you're going to be in motorsport is that it's it's not always you, you can't you can't win them all is is probably the best phrase to put it to it is that yeah it's yeah. not everyone is is understanding and knows exactly what you're doing and how do you have those conversations with them how does that start when when you when you first meeting. It's usually seen as, oh wow, cool! You you know you work in motorsports, it's all glitz and glamour, and then you know you you're unable to reply to a text for four, five, six hours because you know you're busy rebuilding a broken car or you know whatever it may be, and then yeah, sometimes there's a bit of doubt that gets put in, and that's usually the the unraveling factor, which is like I say, you know, I'm fortunate enough that at the moment my my girlfriend she I've I've worked alongside her and she knows. She knows exactly what goes into into the racing world, and she knows that it's not, you know, it's not just what you see on TV. You know, you're not just doing a race and then going home. You know, everyone's putting in fourteen, sixteen hour days sometimes, and you know, you can you can really be pushed to the limits. You can push relationships to its to its edges, and and the experiences and the the troubles you're having. Do you, do you talk about those with your partner? Are those is those conversations you have. Yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to talk about those things because if if you don't, you're doomed to doomed from the beginning. Or you're not. Honesty is the best policy, and you know if you um, if they don't understand it, then then they don't that's, understand. That's, that's them gone. <laughs> yeah, Jake. 
Jamie, have you ever thought about owning your own race team? Is this is this something that's ever... This has, it's, it, well, this is something that is, is crossed my mind. It's also a conversation I've had with my girlfriend. Um, you know, we thought well, maybe we can move into a, move into this in the future. Um, but to be able to do that, you need, um, well, firstly, you need funding. You know, you, can, you know, you need to buy equipment and, you know, work premises and trucks and, you know, and that's all before buying a race car as well you know yeah. you need to be able to get there and work on it and and all these sorts of things um but not only that you need contacts you need to you need to know people within the industry um you know because i don't want to say a lot, a lot of work can be done with favors but you know is there's a there's very much a um you know if, if you're well known or you know you, you know people that can help you out with a favor one time here or there and you know it's I suppose it's like with with anything, you know, any any business that you set up, you know, you need you need certain certain parameters to to get that off the floor. And motorsports no different. Yeah, and you you're talking earlier about sort of the dedication, the sort of time you have to put into even getting into motorsport. Is that something that continues as a running theme even to now? And you're and you're maybe looking to join LMDH or F1. Is would you reckon it's even harder now? Would you reckon the work gets easier? Oh, the work never gets easier. You just become more experienced in the work that's in front of you. Um, you know, it's a broken car never gets easier to fix, or you know, a, a pit stop. You never lose the the pressure of that that moment. And you know, it's, it's there's always things that need to be done. There's, there's never never a moment where you stood still. So it's you know, it's it's almost all the same, but just at, at different levels. If you like, yeah. And what does a normal race weekend look for you and the and the team? What does that look like? Um, okay, so well, I'm I'm about to go to Imola tomorrow for the next round of European Le Mans. So we fly out tomorrow, and we uh, will arrive, you know, mid afternoon tomorrow, and then Wednesday, um, Wednesday we have the garage set up. So this is when the the trucks are allowed to come in. Um, they're allowed to allowed to start building a garage, um, building our our own little village for for the next few days, the next best part of a week. Um, and then Thursday, we have um, test sessions. These are private test sessions. Um, one in the morning and one after lunch, uh, both like t- between two and three hours long. Well. Wow. Um, so the, the last session finishes at five to five, you know, and then we've got the, the prep time there, um, which is usually between three and four hours, depending on, on things, you know, we have to set up the cars, clean it and you know, go through any fine tuning of things. Um, then move to Friday and then we move into the official sessions. So we have a free practice one, uh, just before lunch, it's an hour and a half long. Um, and because the championship that we do, um, it's a it's a, a pro am championship. So um, in European Le Mans, I'm with the racing team Turkey, which is run by TF Sport. Um, but that's a it's a pro am car. So we have a bronze driver, and um, so he will be doing the bronze test. That's in the afternoon, and this is a chance for uh, the bronze drivers to to all get out together and not be under the pressure of uh, you know full factory pros or you know. Um, and then move on to, to Saturday, we have FP2, 
relatively early in the morning, 9.30. That's a, another 90-minute session. And then in the afternoon, we move to qualifying, uh, which is just a quick 10-minute shootout session. Then park Ferme, so that's, you know, the top cars all go to scrutineering and they'll get looked over and make sure they're all within regulations and um, all up to you know, the homologations. And then, then we move on to race day on the Sunday. Um, the race will start at 11.30. It's a four-hour race. Um, and now COVID's out of the way, mostly. Fingers crossed it stays this way. Um, we're, we're allowed fans back, which the weekend just gone we had at World Endurance at Spa was quite surreal, really, to have people at the front of the garage again, you know, asking for autographs from the drivers and taking pictures of the car because it's been, you know, two years since we've really had that. Yeah. So, you know, to, to go back to that, it's, it's quite a, almost a shock to the system again. But it's so it's so good to see these these fans back out there because it's you know they're they're the lifeblood of motorsport. You know, alongside I have to mention the marshals that are out there uh, every weekend making sure that we can go racing. You know, because they they do it for their passion as well. You know, they're they're not getting paid to be out there. They're uh, they're out there because they love motorsport and they love going racing. So they, like I say, without them, we would. Uh, would not be able to do the jobs that we love either. Yeah. Sounds like a really long weekend. Um, or even a really long week. So what do you do in downtime to relax? What is, what is it that keeps you sort of in the right mental space? What, during a race week or just when I'm not racing? Bit of both. I mean, what, are you, what are you doing? Um, I mean, during a race week, we have not a lot of time for much, to be quite honest. You know, we... Um, so, for example... On Friday, just gone, we left the hotel at 6.30 in the morning and arrived back at 11.30 at night to then go back to the circuit at 7 a.m. the next morning. So there's not really a lot of time to do to do much there. Um, but I like to run a lot. I tend to, um, just like, tend to exercise quite a lot um, and just just spend time with, with my girlfriend, really, you know, because that's... Although she is in motorsport, she works for a different team in a different championship and um so, you know it's, it's it's not really time that we we get to see to see each other so i like to just try and unwind like that go go for walks and you know just 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 you know just relax a little bit and just forget about the the fast pace of the motorsport world and just yeah yeah it's a little bit like that when you're looking at winning a championship what are, what are the most important things that I think that for, for you in your opinion that takes consistency in preparation and um, luck <laughs> quite honestly um, you know because there is there is a lot of luck in racing you know you can never you can have a race ruined by you know a competitor in a, in a different class just you know take you out give you a puncher and that'll be it you know that could be championship over um, but also experience, you know, you learn from your mistakes. You learn how, uh, well, I mean, I won't mention names, but I've seen a, a championship lost on um, on on brakes fading too quickly. You know, the, the, the 
the pad where it had gone and it was it was an unknown walking into that weekend and it was something that we thought was going to be all right and then you know with an hour to go they had to do a break change and that just that, that threw their championship out the window just just like that um so yeah there's there's a whole whole lot of things that go into it it's uh, it's yeah. look look consistency and experience uh, yeah, I mean, those are three things that I think will be, you know, constitute a good performance in anything, not just racing. But for you, is is what's more important, the skill of the driver or the skill of the mechanics? Um, well, of course, the skill of the driver matters for most of it. But you know, it's it's again, it's the the skill of the engineers and the mechanics also. You know, if you if you build a build a race car with you know, say you're going into a 24-hour race and you don't have the the knowledge of experience to, um, you know, to lock tight things, or which is you know, it's a retaining compound to help keep nuts and bolts tight together, or you know, the, to prepare for if you've got damage, you know, um, body work and stuff like spare body work built ready to go, you know, ready for quick changes if, if that's to happen, or even the practice routines of the pit stops, you know. Changing this bodywork, changing the wheels, you know, the, the fuel in, and you know, all of these things all constitute to uh, to the success. You know, and it's just the driver that, that gets to do it out on track. Yeah, and is it, do you think it's important to build a relationship with that driver as as a team to sort of have that not a sort of symbiotic relationship going? Absolutely, yeah. You know, because um, many drivers um, come into a team, and you know, it's nice to. We well, the key is there is we are a team, you know. So you have to sort of have that team bonding sort of experience, if you like, a little bit too, just so everyone's comfortable, everyone's calm, and you know, in in a more relaxed area, you're more more reliable as a person, you know. And the the flip side of that, if you're more more stressed and more on edge, then you're more prone to mistakes and to you know reacting in ways that you wouldn't do normally if you were relaxed yeah yeah and what your experience for a new mechanic joining maybe a quite experienced team what what's the best thing you can do to start or start off play to their rules you know if you're if you're a lesser experienced mechanic walking into a you know a, a renowned team um they're a renowned team for a reason you know so they've they've built up this experience and this knowledge and their processes are usually well educated you know they've been they've been um, crack tested if you like you know they've, they've been fine tuned and you know this is usually a good way not saying that a fresh pair of eyes or you know won't won't be able to improve things but but yeah like I say you know there's there's usually there's usually a good reason that the way this this team is a, a championship winning team or you know so it's yeah going with going with um, the ability to well just to learn to not be not be blind in your in your ways. Yeah, and what was what was it like for you when you first joined that that big team, or maybe that that big moment for you? What was what was what, how did you feel? Honestly, very alone um, because I joined. For me, the the big the big team moment was um, joining WRT, who you know, well, recently at the weekend they had a, a one two at. Um, at Spa, their home race. Um, last year, they won European Le Mans, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, 
and World Endurance in their first year of LMP2 racing. Um, but this is a team that's based in Belgium. Um, so as an Englishman walking into a French-speaking team, um, I felt very much alone because there was, although a lot of people speak English, you know, you're not you're surrounded by a language you don't understand. In uh, CAs, for me that was how I was. I was able to just focus on what I was doing. I was able to absorb the the information that was being thrown at me, even though it's in a different language. It's you sort of become more intuitive on on picking things up you know you, you see things and you have to sort of work things out for yourself in that sense and so it's yeah that's I mean for me that's how it that's how it was and what was the most important thing for you to make sure you got right when you entered that team that was that was there the next year that was the most important for me was was that I was doing a good enough job that they invited me back next year so oh. if you if you know your like if you're getting you know if you you go in, you do your job, you do your job properly and to the best of your ability, then there's there's no reason why um, you can't be an integral part of that team and you you know, you, you're able to excel and be on that, that roller coaster of, of hopefully winning championships. Yeah. I mean you forgive my ignorance, Jamie. I I thought that um you had a job, you basically was like any other job, you signed up and you were there, but you see you, you can be changed and kicked out like a cognitive machine basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it can be quite a ruthless world. Um, you know, if you if you're not up to the job, you're you know, there's, people don't want to keep you on board if you're if you're well. You, you know, there's the old saying: you're only as, as strong as the weakest link in your chain. So that's that's very much motorsport. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the the, com, the competitive streak runs all the way through. So even if you're, yeah. Yeah, and, it absolutely does. Yeah, are you, are you are you talking to more experienced mechanics all the time, learning about how they're doing it, or maybe doing their own thing? Or are you trying to work it out for yourself? No, always, always to talking to uh, to other people because um, everyone has different experiences. Um, di- everyone has different ways of doing it, and um, like I say, you know, you, you should you should always go in with, with not a like an arrogance of this is the correct way to do it because there's always someone who's vastly more experienced than you and has got a better way of doing it. There's, you know, there's always somewhere to, somewhere you can learn. There's always more to learn. Yeah. And are these, these people who experience, is there any way you can spot these people or is it just have, through the conversation with your teammates? You, you can, you, typically you can spot these people. They tend to have a, um, a calming sort of um, knowingness about them. I don't know. It's, it's quite difficult to describe. Well, let me let me go the other way. Is that you can you can see the people that are not as experienced because they become quite flustered in high pressure situations. Um, you know, for example, if you're if you've taken damage during the during the race and you have to come back into the box, um, in that moment you need calmness and you need coordination and you need you need to apply that process that method. Um, and typically you find lesser experienced people will start flapping if you like and and, and having to do everything at the, the speed of sound because they think that's going to get the job done quicker but you know if you're doing it like that then you end, to, end up kicking tools around and you know things get a little bit messy and yeah like I say it's, it's all about um, being able to understand the situation that you're in and being able to um, apply the correct methodology into into getting getting to where you want to be to achieving your goal to achieving 
getting the car back out on track or, you know, to rectifying the mistake you've made in the pit stop or, you know, whatever it may be. And so do you reckon that dealing with pressure comes from experience or is there coping mechanisms that you've put in place to help deal with that? Um, I think mostly it comes with experience. Um, but, I mean, some people do have, you know, coping mechanisms. Some people, like, breathe, you know, in, in certain rhythms whilst they're, whilst they're doing something or, you know, they'll have to stop and before any work is done, you know, even if you've got a car that's coming, like, smash the smithereens, they won't do anything to it yet. They'll just look, analyse the car and say, okay, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. And, you know, as a leadership role, that's, that's typically quite a good way of doing it. Um, but yeah, you know, ev- everyone is different. You know, people handle situations differently. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's really a, an individual sort of uh, way of doing things, really, I think. Yeah, and where does that leadership come from? Is, it, is that something that gets designated on in the team or is it something you just kind of gravitate towards? Um, a bit of both, to be honest. Um, certain personalities are, are meant for leadership, in my opinion. Um, you know, some, some people have this um, this ability to analyse and assess a situation and to to calculate the, the best the best result possible of way of doing it. Um, some people don't. Some people are a little bit in between. So yeah, it's you know if you if you sort of find yourself um, being able to take on leadership qualities and being able to to lead people and to to do that job properly, then there's no reason why you should be moving up from a you know a number two to a number one mechanic or a number one to a chief mechanic. Or is it something that you're looking for, looking forward to the, the chief mechanic role? Is it just the the pick the uh, freelancing that that inspires you the most? Yeah, I think one day I would like a like a, a chief mechanic role. Um, it'd be nice to, uh, well, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of moving into that position a little bit within a within a different team. Um, you know, I've sort of contacts that I've made um, in motorsport have you know have sort of come back around, and I got a phone call one day and sort of said, "Look, I want you to come and chief mechanic this team that I'm making." Um, so yeah, there's a, a new team in the process of being put together and um, hopefully we'll step into that role. Um, but I enjoy being freelance. You know, I, I enjoy um, having the freedom of, of what I want to do, but being able to still go racing and and be able to be in various different paddocks without having to, you know, ask for permission of, of the boss or, you know, I am my boss. Um, but that doesn't mean that I have, I you know, get freedom to do as and what I please. You know, if if teams require things from you, you you know, you have to meet those commitments. If you're if you're unreliable then you're you're worthless to people, you know. Yeah, I mean let's let's bring it back to that conversation that you had about becoming a chief mechanic. What was how did you feel after that conversation? Um inspired um and quite humbled that um that the hard work that I'd I'd put into sort of improving myself as a mechanic had been recognised by someone. And out of all the people that, you know, this guy had, had met along his his path in, in motorsport that he he wanted me to, to come and fulfil that role for him. So yeah, it's it's quite like I say, quite humbling, quite yeah. quite nice and quite rewarding. Well, I think it's important to 
reward ourselves for the achievements we make. And um, without without sounding a bit too arrogant, what what do you think he saw in you that that you stood out from the rest? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> oh. um, the, I mean, I do, admittedly, I've you know I've some good experience um, in a variety of championships. Um, it's a GT team that's been set up, and you know, a, sort of eighty percent of my experience lies in GT cars um, with various manufacturers, and you know, with various um, factory teams. Um, so you know, I've, I've I've been in positions with um, full factory driver lineups, um, you know, testing with with factory engineers and and sort of being able to bring those experience into into a new team. I think is is maybe maybe what you saw. Um, yeah. Also, my I mean, I, I like to think I have an ability to just continue learning. That I'm not I'm not adamant in this is the way to do it. You know, I'm I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to to continue developing as a person and as a as a mechanic. Yeah, well, well, first of all, congratulations for that. It sounds it sounds really exciting. Um, I wanted wanted to take it to a bit of a light height, sort of. I have sort of call these like sort of geeky car questions that sort of end the podcast. Okay. But <laughs> the first one is: if you had one car and one track, what what would you drive and where would you go? Ooh, that is a good question. I think I would. I'd have to go to Bathurst. Because it's, um, I was fortunate enough to drive around the track whilst I was there, and it's a, uh, it's a combination of tight, twisty sectors with fast, flowing sectors. Also, um, you know, you've got areas where the the wall is just millimeters away from you. What car would take there? Is, are we are we talking road or race car? Anything you want. Anything that I want. Okay. I think it would have to be. Either Porsche's nine one nine LMP one car, nice, or maybe just like a something a little bit more road carry, like a McLaren P one GTR, something like this. Perfect. Yeah, I mean that leads quite nicely into the next question, which is so your your three car garage, so a a daily, a sort of like modified maybe street car, and then getting your racing your race car would be the, the P one GTR or the nine one one. 919, sorry. So what would you have? Um, yeah, it would be the 919. And actually, as a kid, I had an Audi S3 on my wall, and that was my dream car. That was when, I'm, when I've worked hard and I've been able to, to do this. Like, I know it sounds, you know, there's so many much better cars out there to choose from, but an Audi S3, and I'm actually fortunate enough to be able to look out the window and see that I've got, I've, I've worked hard enough to get myself an Audi S3. So, I would take. I would keep that. And then, have you got anything you'd like? To, being being a mechanic, anything you'd like to tinker on and sort of maybe, maybe a project car? Then, um, I'd probably have to go classic. Maybe like a, uh, maybe like a DBRS nine, the classic GT world. Mm, maybe like it would go sort of historic, like an E type, something like this. Yeah, I've got a, one. One of the, my early teams was there. Um, it was an Aston Martin team, and I was fortunate enough to work on uh, some beautiful cars. Some beautiful cars there. It's like um, a DB5 or a DB7, something like this. Also, would be be something like that. They were just yeah. phenomenal cars. Out of interest, what is it about the S3 that you you put on the wall? What was what was that? It was the the aggressive 
yet subtle look about it. Um, you know, you have uh, it's it's a very fast car. You know, it's, mine is mine's now just short of four hundred horsepower, four wheel drive, um, and yet I can, like, you know, like it is. It's a daily car. I can drive it around and and still have fun at the same time. And every day it surprises me. Every day I find something new that I love about it. And I've owned the car for two and a half years now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with it being on my wall, it was the styling. It was the, it was the wow, that's that's just a cool car. And maybe it was the little bit of the um, boy racer in me as a as a kid um, that that likes that the modified look, you know. And, yeah, yeah, that's sort of what drew me to it. And the, and the day you got the keys, how did that feel? Amazing, absolutely amazing. You know, to to sit there and and watch the S three pop up on the dash, and then to to start it up and hear the engine, and then just to be able to go off and drive it, it was. Very surreal. Very. It took me a, a couple of weeks actually to to sort of come to terms with the fact that I, was, I had achieved my my dream car, and that was well. It was time to set myself a new dream car. <laughs> Which is well, I'm not too sure yet. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've still not come to that. I've still not come to that conclusion. In probably like a nine eleven GT two. Something like this, yeah. I can see. I can see why. Brilliant. And the, I mean, the last little question that I've sort of come around for our motorsport guests and people in that world: what modification do you think is the most important for any racing car or just car in general? I don't think there's any. Well, I mean, as a racing car, obviously, it's it's built to a, homolog- a homologation. Um, so there's it's kind of sort of not so much set in stone. It, it depends what you're after. It depends what your what your needs are, where your where your improvements lie, or sorry, more more so where your weaknesses lie. So where you should be looking to improve. Um, for a road car, for me, it's it's individual choice. You know, like I said before, everyone's everyone's different. Everyone has their own. Well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, so yeah. it's everyone's different. Everyone's entitled to doing what they want with their car. So why not let them do what they want? No, perfect. That's yeah, brilliant. Uh, Jamie, look, thank you so much. For this. Thank you for thank you for your time. I really really appreciate you being on the podcast. It's um it's been a pleasure to listen to you talk about yeah your your sort of regimented sort of uh, ability to be <laughs> be on point in twenty twenty four hours. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. You know, I'm starting to see some commonalities among people in motorsport. The passion they have for the job they're doing, the determination to be committed no matter what the circumstances are, and the discipline they have to stay on task. And it's values like these that I want to transfer to those of you that are listening to inspire the person that goes, I love cars. What do I do with this love? And hopefully the more I speak to these types of people, the more I can find out for you and give insight into all the roles and vocations to be enjoyed within the motorsport, automotive and car scenes. After all, this podcast is for you. You there sitting in your car, office or garage and to inspire you to start taking those photos of vehicles at car meets to the person working on their first car and wondering how to make it handle better, go faster and look better. And you there speaking to people that you would have never thought you would have the chance to ask questions to. There is no limit to what you can do with your passion. And guys, remember, if 
you like the podcast, give it a share. If you want to be on the podcast, give me an email or a DM. The email is harry at ignitionpod.com. That's harry at ignitionpod.com. And give me a DM on Instagram at we are ignition. That is letter R. We are ignition. Or follow us on TikTok, follow us on YouTube, and follow us on Spotify to hear more of these conversations. So, this is me, I'm Harry, and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please share it with three people that you know that love cars as much as you do. I would really appreciate it.